0: Hello everyone and welcome to this podcast that's a part of the Ask About Asthma Week this year. Uh, my name's Oliver Anglin, I'm a GP in Camden, I'm the Children's Lead for North Central London and also I'm the Chair of the London Asthma Leadership and Innovation Group and today I'm talking to Louise Fleming. Uh, Louise, can I ask you just to introduce yourself to our listeners Um, give us a bit of a, bit of a biog?
1: Thanks, Oliver. So I'm Louise Fleming. I'm a consultant respiratory paediatrician at the Royal Brompton Hospital and part of the difficult asthma team here and also a clinical senior lecturer at Imperial. I'm also part of the London asthma leadership and implementation group and also the London severe paediatric group. We're a subgroup of the the main um, LALIG and we kind of look specifically at issues relating to children with severe asthma. And The other thing to mention is I'm also a member of the GINA, which is the Global Initiative for Asthma and the Scientific Committee.
0: Great, thank you. Busy. Uh, that's a, that's that's quite a full portfolio there. And could you uh, and before we just before we get started, I, I know it's been a, a an interesting time for all of us during um, during lockdown in the last few months. Um, uh, would you be able to uh, tell us how you've kind of coped with it, and perhaps something that you found out about yourself during a COVID lockdown period?
1: Well, I think the, the main escape for me has been my allotment. So I've spent a lot of time there and it's looking better than ever. So I'm hoping we're going to have a really good, or well, lots of really good crops this year. And probably the thing I found out about myself, which was maybe a bit worrying, is that I'm obsessed with wood chip. So the whole allotment has been wood chips. I've got lovely paths around all the beds. Um, yeah, so that been my main kind of learning point.
0: Main focus. Soon yeah. you'll be self-sufficient is what you're yes, telling us. Yes. Yeah, yes. fantastic. <laughs> well, look... Um, and so basically, what we're here today to talk about your work on um the tertiary protocols and referral criteria. So, so with your with regards to your work in the tertiary referral center and part of the severe asthma network. So before um we get into that, I'd like to just hear a bit more broadly about um about tertiary referral. And um, so in children's asthma specifically, what is a tertiary referral center?
1: Okay, so we're, we're a specialist respiratory centre. So we look after children with a whole range of respiratory conditions of which asthma is one. And then within that, we have a specialised asthma team. So kind of the, the, main, the main thing to highlight is that we have a multidisciplinary team. It's not about kind of one person. It's about the input from everyone from the team. And our role really is to see children with difficult to control asthma, problematic asthma, asthma that just isn't getting better, and try and look at all aspects of why that might be and getting input from all um, members of the team. And so we have kind of more time to spend on each child and a lot of you know specific expertise in that area where we can take a fresh look and hopefully then put into place um interventions that will improve asthma control.
0: How and how many of these do we have in in London?
1: So across London we have six so that roughly match to each of the um, STPs. So kind of in North West London, there's the Royal Brompton. In North Central, there's Great Ormond Street. North East London, there's the Royal London. And then moving south, in South West, there's St George's. And then in Southeast London, both King's and the Evelina. And we all see children with severe asthma. And you know, we have you know, slightly different kind of composition of the teens and access to various different assessments and um, other ways that we can investigate these children.
0: What is it that, you know, what is it that a, a, a tertiary clinic does? How, you know, how, how, does it, how does it work in order to, to, to provide better outcomes for, yeah. for these children?
1: So as I say, we take a team approach. and We're really asking kind of three key, three key questions. So the first is, does the child have asthma? And that might sound like the most basic of, of questions, but actually it can be difficult to diagnose. There's often a lack of objective tests. Um, the, The test can be normal in the context of treatment. So that's the very first question to just check. Is this asthma or is it something else? And we need to therefore investigate in another way. The second question is, are all the symptoms due to asthma? So even if a child has asthma, they might be getting breathless. They might be coughing for other reasons. So we need to look at that and say, are there other comorbidities that might be contributing or the way that they're breathing, so dysfunctional breathing, and then finally, you know, if they've got asthma and they're getting lots of symptoms because of asthma and their control is poor, the third question is why? Why is their control poor and what can we do to improve that? And do we need to increase their treatment or do we need to make sure they're taking the treatment that they're already prescribed? And as I say, there's input from the whole team to try and unpick those issues. So particularly key are our nurses who spend a lot of time with the, the child and their family and try and visit the home and school. Um, our physiotherapist who carries out the breathing pattern assessment and um, psychology who really kind of unpicks a lot of those psychosocial issues that we know can, can be driving out of the symptoms and then also our pharmacist who looks into kind of more issues around the medications and then finally we have safeguarding as part of the team as well.
0: How does this kind of currently fit into you know the, the wider systems that we have in in, in place because it you know it's such a such valuable such valuable work and so comprehensive um, how does that fit into you know the wider system?
1: So, so at the moment if a, if a child is under another center so if they're at their kind of local hospital and you know their asset control and remains poor then we get referrals that way also sometimes from primary care if a, if a GP or a practice nurse has identified that there's a real issue here that they think can be answered by the specialist team. And then finally at the Brompton, we also take referrals from other tertiary centres, so from around the whole country where other centers might be having trouble and they or difficulty um, in in really kind of managing a patient and they send them to us for a second opinion. So there's lots of kind of different routes in. And what we really want to make sure is that the children who would benefit from being seen by a specialist team get to the right place. Mm.
0: Okay. And do you think there's a it's kind of a leading question here, actually. I mean, do you see there being a difference in um, uh, kind of severe asthma and poorly controlled asthma?
1: Yeah, so I think that that's one of the, the questions that we ask. So does does a child have kind of genuine severe asthma where they need to escalate treatment and potentially go on kind of one of the newer biological treatments, or when we kind of talk about difficult asthma or problematic asthma? We're more talking about where the asthma control is poor because of other potentially modifiable reasons. So, for example, if a child is prescribed inhaled steroids and they're not taking them. So those children don't need an expensive add-on treatment. We need to find ways to understand whether they're taking their treatment, why they're not taking it, and then to help them take it. And often that can address the problem. So there is quite a difference. But we do recognise that there's an overlap.
0: I think it might be interesting for some to hear that when we're talking about tertiary referral, we're not just talking about those kind of patients who need uh, the the sort of end stage medications like biologics. We're really talking about, um, you know, those those that are are at the greatest risk, the poor control yeah. sort of bracket as well. Um. So just coming more specifically onto the, the 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 kind of work that we would that we plan to talk about today, which is this tertiary post-protocol referral criteria Um, why (laughs) why are you doing it yeah (laughs)
1: why
0: why is it why is it important what's the problem now and what 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 are you trying to fix
1: so again i would say there are two key components so the first one is the pathway to make sure you know the right children are seen in the right place at the right time and then the second part is when they get there when they get to a, a tertiary center that they're getting the assessment that they need and they're being seen by the right team and the right people. So it's those kind of two parts, really. And, and if we think about the first part, the, the pathway that we've drawn up, kind of suggesting that should already have been done in either primary or secondary care. So in terms of making steps to establish the diagnosis, to try and look for potentially modifiable factors, looking at prescription uptake, looking at stab use, use, assessing control. And then thinking, well, once that's been done and we've done all that, then we need to kind of, you know, move move into a, the tertiary, move on to the tertiary team, and I think it's not a, they're not a kind of hard and fast criteria that you can only refer children if they, you know, fulfil certain, you know, level of lung function. It's kind of very broad, and it's it's you know the aim as well is to support um, other teams in in the sorts of assessments they should be carrying out and guiding them in that, and then saying, well, actually, we are very happy to see these children, and please do refer
0: them on i wondered about um kind of current levels of of integration and how these changes may help with integration in the future i suppose part of that was around thinking about you know we, we're talking about some perhaps of these quite complex children and um, with various psychosocial issues mm-hmm. etc um who may be under uh you know i'm thinking of my patch they may be under mm-hmm. gosh um, but live out in the outskirts of Enfield, um, and how and um, the, the tertiary clinics work at you know arm's length from these patients. What's the what's the kind of links and integration with local services?
1: So I think that's again a lot of the work that we've been doing within London in recent years is really trying to firm up those networks in each of the areas, and with the you know the tertiary team being part of that network. And it is difficult because we you know at the Brompton, yes, we're we are within Northwest London we are very committed to the northwest london network and working very closely with partners in northwest london but we do take referrals from everywhere you know from the whole country and certainly from a wide area of the southeast and so the, the kind of the closer relationships we can have with the local team then that really improves care for the the child and young person and that is you know that is a challenge to make sure that we are communicating with the gp the school nurse the school you know, the secondary care team, the local asthma nurse to get a full understanding of the child's asthma and also everybody's role so that, you know, it's clear who's taking responsibility for care, you know, who's doing what so that a child doesn't just fall through the gaps with everyone else thinking, oh, someone else is doing that.
0: Right. And do you see, um, you know, are you, are you seeing that there are a kind of changes within within the system more recently that are making that Possible.
1: So the 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 network meetings really help. As I say, within Northwest London, we we have you know the, the network is established, and we're very fortunate in that each of in each of the secondary care hospitals there is a there's an asthma lead, somebody who's interested in asthma has expertise in asthma, and that's you know something that we is really important to try and get in place in every secondary care trust so that there is that designated person who takes responsibility for asthma within that setting. And as I say, within North West London that exists, and it means that we can have conversations, we can all understand the work that we're doing, what's going on in other places. We're trying to improve the amount of outreach that we do so that we do clinics um, in other centres, and then also kind of joint working in terms of joint multidisciplinary team meetings. And interestingly, now this is something that we've been Trying to establish for some time, and actually, the current pandemic has accelerated that because remote working and you know teams meetings, Zoom meetings have all been accelerated. So actually, in the last, that that's been one positive that I think those sorts of joint MDTs will be much easier um, to to organise and much more feasible going forward.
0: Can you just tell me specifically when you're talking about network? There, what are you, what are you referring to?
1: so when we're talking about the network it's about thinking about everybody within that area who's involved in asthma care so the tertiary center secondary center community teams um, primary care pharmacy and to make sure that we're all kind of we're all part of the same system and we all understand where each bit of the system fits in and you know it's quite kind of difficult to explain, but whereas you know you, as you highlighted, if you're working in a tertiary centre, you can't you know I can't know every every GP in the whole of Northwest London or the whole of London, but local centers will have that expert local knowledge, and we can all kind of gain from communicating with each other and making sure that the whole system is catering for a child's needs and that they are looked after at every point, whether you know whether it's at school, the community, that there is an integrated system that fits together.
0: Mm. And I think having um in my personal experience, mm. having um having that that kind of expertise mm-hmm. from um, tertiary referral as part of that network is yeah. is is invaluable. From from working as part of those networks, what are uh, what would you say you've learned from working with the wider, the wider network, pharmacy, community nursing, you know, all of the other elements?
1: So I think, again, it's what I've really learned is some of the the really exciting work that goes on in, in quite small areas that you might not necessarily know about. And actually, those sorts of innovations, if they were rolled out, I think would have the potential to improve um, asthma control across the board. So I of there's been some very exciting projects within community pharmacy and community pharmacists assessing asthma control and carrying out inhaler checks. Other projects that have looked at schools and asthma friendly schools and making sure that you know there's a list of all children with asthma that there's somebody in the school trained and then the other the work that I've learned about which again I think is really important is that kind of more the greater integration between secondary and primary care and teams in secondary care actually doing clinics within primary care and seeing the patients there and working with GPs and practice nurses.
0: What would be your kind of advice or suggestions um for sort of systems, either a, a, you know across across London or or, or even nationally, um, with regards you know taking taking this approach and and and, and how they might go about it.
1: So, as I think a lot of the work that's been done in London has been kind of driven by Healthy London Partnership, and we've been very lucky to have that. One of the problems is when you look at the way that asthma services are commissioned and funded, and a lot of it is driven by kind of individual enthusiasm rather than a kind of a, a mandated service. So there isn't, for example, a service specification for children with severe asthma. There is for adults. So within the adult system, if a child, ha- if an adult has severe asthma, there are designated centers and it's kind of mandated within that specification, what assessment should be done, what treatment should be available, whereas that's much more informal in paediatrics. And I think, um, as I say, we've been lucky within London, that there's a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of support from Healthy London Partnership and from the commissioners in specialist commissioning for us to establish that in London. But I think if we're going to roll that out more, then it does need to be supported by commissioning more broadly and by the appropriate funding as well.
0: Mm. Okay, thank you. What would be your um, ask of uh, of the, the, the kind of the, the system, um, the, the, the wider system, so I'm thinking about community, secondary, um, primary care schools, et cetera. What would be your ask as a tertiary, tertiary centre?
1: So I think my thing would be to identify children who are at, at risk. And the, the kind of the big thing that we worry about is asthma attacks. And we know that the, the most significant risk factor for an asthma attack is a previous attack. So any asthma attack should be a red flag to say, right, we need to look at this child and really consider their control. And then really work through those kind of basics of asthma management. You know, is their inhaler technique correct? Are they taking their treatment? Is this asthma? And asking those almost really quite basic questions and making sure those things have been done rather than just thinking, well, you know, they've had an asthma attack. That just means they've got asthma and that part of asthma being complacent about it.
0: Mm. Yeah, thank you. Such a... Uh, you know, such an such an important message you know an, an asthma attack is a real red flag sign um, and we shouldn't just be complacent in any area of the system to just be satisfied that they've had a recent review and and that you know that we've chatted to them when they've been a bit poorly um, and um, I guess the flip question to that then so what would be your your offer to the system um, uh, you know you're you're now speaking on behalf of all, all tertiary okay. set, settings, and we're going to hold them to it mm. completely. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I would say I think the key things are communication and collaboration. So, you know, we I think having these networks helps us to communicate better, better and more effectively. Helps us to understand what we can, what we can offer, and we're always happy to discuss patients. Um, we're always happy to receive referrals and you know there may be times there are some children that may only need one or two appointments with them and it's very apparent you know what's going wrong and we can sort that out and others who you know once they're referred to us they're under us for many many years so I would say yeah my kind of offer would be think, you know make sure you know who your local severe asthma centre is make sure you know what they offer and you know they should offer that comprehensive assessment and then you know speak to them if they're you know if there are questions if you're not sure about referring somebody we're always happy to discuss
0: great fantastic and when and when can we see the um uh the, the the sort of final iteration of the the work that you're doing when when can we kind of expect to see to see that circulated
1: so that so the, the part of that work is looking at that referral pathway um, which as i said takes into account the, the things that should be done at, at different points and then at what point you then think actually now this is the time to refer and that has now been that's now been just about finalized and so will be circulated in the coming weeks
0: fantastic so we'll all um keep our eyes peeled for that yes and um uh, and and that will uh, i think from what what's been said will um uh, Will allow referrals in from different parts of the system. Um, so I think, you know, as a as a GP, I'd be able to, um, if I if I felt the case was appropriate, would be able to refer in. What what would you say are the the kind of significant challenges we face at the moment, um, and what what would be your you know what's your your vision for the future? What, a, what a, what's it all going to look like in 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 the future?
1: So I suppose at the moment, the biggest challenges are in terms of remote monitoring that we've, you know, with the pandemic, we've had to shift from seeing children face to face to doing everything remotely. And for some, that's, you know, that's been great. And it's been much easier for the families, particularly those who travel a long way. But given that a lot of our work is around objective measures, so objective measures to diagnose asthma and to monitor asthma, that's been quite a challenge so we've we tried to move a lot of that monitoring into the home into the community, so a lot of our children have been issued with home spirometers. They also have monitoring devices so we can keep track of how much medication they're using and for our children on the biologics, so on omenismab or Methodismab, we've switched them to a lot of them to home care, so they're doing that at home mm. and I think you know our challenge now is think well you know it's great we're doing all this in the community but we do we do still need to see children sometimes and trying to work out how we can do that safely and also you know how frequently we need to see them and so we're just kind of wrestling with those challenges at the moment
0: okay great and um your and your, your your vision for the future
1: so in the in the future i think we'll we'll accept that there will be a degree of of remote and face-to-face monitoring, but in terms of the kind of the vision for the future for the whole of asthma care, I think it, you know it needs to be kind of much more joined up across the board. And my vision would be that we will have commission services for severe asthma, so that there is parity with adult services, um, that it's adequately funded. So in a severe asthma centre, there will be that provision to have all those members of the multidisciplinary team that I've mentioned, rather than, as I say, just being driven perhaps by kind of individual interests or enthusiasm. And I think that's really kind of where we need to get to. There needs to be, not just for severe asthma, but across the board, just certain levels of of kind of competency, of of kind of being more mandated that yes, you know, if you're referring a child into secondary care, they need to be seen by somebody with a certain level of expertise.
0: Well thank you so much, Louise really really appreciate that that's been a a really helpful insight i think into the um into the work that you're doing tertiary centers generally and and the role that um that that you and teams like you play in in looking after our uh looking after our children i think that you know that that really important um point from the outset which is that we're talking about poorly controlled asthma um, rather than children who are on lots of medicines and 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 the hugely important role of a multidisciplinary approach to dealing with those more complex children Um, so yes thank you so much for thank you so much for that really appreciate you joining us and um uh it's it's been really valuable so thank you for your time
1: thank you very much oliver
0: so thanks for listening to uh, this podcast. Um, and just a reminder that there are um, a few others uh, for you to listen to in this Ask About Asthma mini-series. Um, some of the other the other ones to, to look out for. Uh, we have uh, Karen Rodasano talking to us about asthma-friendly schools. Um, we have one on air quality and what we have learned from the COVID lockdown with Jonathan Grigg. Um, learning from asthma deaths with Mark Levy. Uh, we have a session, uh, an Ask the ask the Expert About Asthma session, where we have some questions from um, from parents and children with asthma and, and uh, that we can clarify some of those points with some of our uh, asthma experts from London. And then also we have one on learning from the Tower Hamlets um, Asthma Programme with Rita Arohu and Tori Hadaway, so I'd encourage you all to look out for those. To find out more about uh, these subjects or any other information about our annual Ask About Asthma campaign, please uh, check out the website healthylondon.org or on any uh, social feeds if you follow the hashtag AskAboutAsthma. So uh, thank you again for taking time to listen to this one and I will see you on one of our others.